If you would like to read along with me, um, we'll be reading from Luke chapter 2, verses 21 through 40. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts. When the parents brought the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you had promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel and the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then had been a widow for 84 years. She never left the temple but worshipped day and night, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. Simeon had a great expectation. He was a devout man. He probably went to synagogue every Sabbath and heard the words of the prophets. Prophets such as Micah spoke of a Messiah, saying, He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach the ends of the earth, and he will be their peace. So Simeon, like others, was expecting a Messiah that the scriptures had so often spoken of. But Simeon's expectation was such that not only would Christ come, but that he would see Christ with his own eyes. I wonder if Simeon ever spoke of this revelation to anyone else. And if he did, I I wonder if he ever received the same look people nowadays give when someone reveals that Christ will return in their own lifetime. That look is usually in the form of, of a blank stare, not wanting to squelch that person's belief, but at the same time saying to ourselves, that's highly unlikely. Being a devout man, I'm sure Simeon's expectations did not waver. I can see Simeon waking up every morning saying, 
This could be the day that I see the Christ. He was excited about the prospect of finally meeting the one the scriptures call wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Simeon was expecting a savior. Anna had lived a long life. Many people who live into their 80s and beyond have children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren to dote upon. They spend their time visiting relatives, passing down family recipes, rocking babies, dispensing wisdom and stories to anyone who will listen. But Anna didn't live like most of those people. Anna didn't have a family. She had had a husband once, many decades ago, but scripture does not mention any children. Luke simply designates her as a widow, old and alone, who did nothing all day long but pray and fast. To us, Anna's life might seem like a boring existence, fasting and praying all day and all night. Luke says that she never left the temple. Praying is all that she did. Can you imagine it? Before we start feeling sorry for her, though, we might want to take a step back and look a little bit closer at the passage and its message. Luke's language here is not completely clear, but Anna is either 84 years old or she had been a widow for 84 years. Whether she was in her 80s or closer to her hundreds, it is certain that she had far surpassed the life expectancy for that time, which was probably closer to 50. With no family to speak of, no trade, probably no home, why on earth hadn't Anna given up years ago and succumbed to old age? What did she have to live for? Well, lest we forget, the other word that Luke uses to describe Anna, besides widow and old, is prophet. Anna was a prophet. She was a messenger for God. She probably had a much better perspective than anyone else at the time on who God was and what God was doing in the world. And the fact that she was on her knees in the temple, day in and day out, was a clue that she knew God was about to do something really big, and she was going to be there to see it. I don't know about you, but I think that knowing something was about to happen that would change the world would give me strength to live one more day, to worship one more time, to pray one more hour, to act for, for God to act. So Anna did that. And though the casual worshiper in the temple that day would not have known why Anna was praying so faithfully and so fervently, why she clung so tightly to her rapidly fading life. But we know Anna had something great to live for. She was expecting a savior. Something was different about that day. Could this day finally be the day he encounters the savior? Simeon rushed over to the temple, quickly scanned the crowd. He finally saw a young couple bringing their baby to be dedicated to the Lord. He knew that that small baby was the one he had been waiting for his entire life. With his eyes surely filled with tears of joy, he praises God for meeting his expectation of seeing the Savior before he died. He says that, he has not only seen the one who will bring salvation to Israel, but to the entire world, salvation has come. 
Now, living in Southern California, I'm, I'm sure it's pretty easy to be starstruck. I'm sure it, everyone here has seen someone famous at one time or another. But can you imagine seeing the Savior of the world in person, the Son of God in person? Indeed, if there were ever a truer statement said, Simeon says he can now die in peace. His life is now complete after meeting the Christ. Now, I'm sure this would have been a strange scene, seeing this man make a big deal over this little baby. It must have been because even his parents were amazed by all that Simeon was saying. You would think after the angel, the wise men, the shepherds visiting them, all saying that their baby was the Savior, that this would be convincing enough. But it was a hard truth to take in. Who would believe that this tiny baby Mary held in her arms would be the one who would bring salvation to the world? Simeon believed, and he had envisioned what that salvation looked like. We can't know if Anna suspected that that day was going to be the day, the day that her prayers were answered, the day that she would encounter the Savior. She was a prophet after all, so maybe she did. Maybe she awoke that morning with a quicker heartbeat, with a rush of inexplicable excitement coursing through her veins. Maybe, as she prayed, her eyes were quick to tear up because a mysterious wave of emotion flooded over her. Maybe she knew, before Mary and Joseph even walked in the door, that something was different about that day. I'm sure that she knew something was different once she saw them. There was no one to tell her who they were, but God must have shown her that they were different. They weren't like the other young Jewish couples entering the temple. They were the answer to years of prayer. Or, more specifically, the tiny child in their arms was the answer to those prayers. Have you ever prayed so fervently and faithfully for something for months, maybe years, and finally saw it happen? Perhaps some of you have prayed for a loved one to find God, and after many tears and nights of prayer, God answered your prayer. How amazing does that feel? Is there anything more joyous, more fulfilling? Anna had prayed day and night for God to send salvation, not just to one or two people, but to all creation. She had asked for the redemption of Israel, and God's yes had come to her in the form of a crying infant. How she must have laughed and cried when she saw God's plan in the eyes of that tiny baby Jesus. God had not answered her prayers for the nations with fanfare and grandeur, but with the cooing and the crying of the, of the Christ child. She had encountered the Savior, and he was nothing like she had imagined. But he was, she, he was everything, everything, that she had asked God for. Simeon couldn't lie to them. God had given him a message, and he was going to deliver it. It was probably hard for him to look at that small baby and his awestruck mother and deliver a bittersweet revelation. Jesus was going to bring salvation to the world. This was true. And as much as you think it would be a, a wonderful thing, it would also be a difficult road. Not everyone would accept the words and life of Jesus. People would try to discredit him. People would mock him. They would even try 
to destroy him. Who would do this to someone who is trying to save you, who is trying to bring peace to the world? Even Mary would feel for the pain that her son would go through. The Gospel of John reveals to us that Mary was there at the cross when Jesus was crucified. She saw the nails being driven into his wrist. She saw the sword piercing Jesus' side. I wonder if she remembered Simeon's words that day when he said, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. To see your own son die must be tragic. To see your innocent son die must be even more tragic. And to see the Savior of the world hang upon that cross must be the most tragic scene in human history. Indeed, Simeon did have a better, bittersweet message. In order for Jesus to bring salvation to the world, he must pay the price for dying on the cross for our sins. Simeon had waited his entire life to meet the Savior he had always heard about. And perhaps only then, after God had revealed those words to him, did he truly understand what that salvation looked like. It came with a heavy price for Jesus. But by the grace of God, our sins are forgiven for all who believe. My favorite part of this story is what Anna does after she encounters the infant Savior. Her actions are simple, but they tell us so much about her and about the future impact that this baby will have. Luke tells us that as soon as she sees the baby and the parents, Anna came up to them, gave thanks to God, and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to salvation. She did not prophesy to the couple like Simeon or make proclamations about what Jesus was going to do. She simply thanked God and then shared the good news of the Savior with others. We don't know if, like Simeon, she knew what was going to happen to Jesus. We don't know if she understood what it truly meant for the Savior to be in the form of a powerless child. Perhaps when she looked at Jesus' tiny hands grasping his mother's fingers, she envisioned a time when those hands would heal the sick, feed the hungry, raise the dead, or be pierced by nails. Perhaps she knew everything, but perhaps she didn't know anything in that baby's future. Perhaps she simply believed that if God had told her that this baby was to bring salvation, then God would do it through the baby. She didn't have to see what Jesus would do to believe that he was the Savior. She had faith that God would carry out this answered prayer to its conclusion. She had prayed for salvation to come, and a Savior was here. She was done praying for salvation. She had seen salvation, all eight pounds of him. And she was ready to share, to share that salvation with every person that she met. Anna and Simeon were some of the first people to see and recognize Jesus as the Savior of the world. It's remarkable that God chose to reveal the ultimate plan of his, of his salvation to two ordinary unimportant people but isn't that so like god god sends this helpless little baby to a dirty stable with a young inexperienced mother 
and an insignificant father. Then God sends a welcome wagon to the new family, stinky shepherds and barnyard animals. And finally, God lets a man on his deathbed and an elderly, inconsequential widow recognize and proclaim the future salvation that the child Jesus would one day bring. God really can use anything and anyone to further his great plan of salvation. It really gives us hope that God can use all of us. God's power and God's plan can be accomplished through us, no matter how young or old, inexperienced or insignificant that we may seem. God can use us through our words, as he did with Simeon, or through our actions, as he did with Anna. God can use us to speak to friends about Christ, or he can use our actions to testify to a co-worker. In this next year, Will you allow God to use you in a way that will usher in salvation to the lost in this world? Will you pray with me? Lord God, as we have looked over this past year and we have seen how much you have worked, I pray that you will open our hearts and convict us to see where we could have done more, where we could have made ourselves more available, where we could have put aside our pride and our insecurities and our priorities and just made ourselves of use to you. God, if we hindered the plan of your salvation in any way, I pray that you will convict us. But more importantly, Lord, We pray today that you will continue to use us in this coming year. As we look forward to 2008, we ask that you will help us to make ourselves available to you. However insignificant we feel, Lord, you have shown us time and time again that you use the weak things of the world. Lord, we pray this morning that you will use us. And Lord as we just listen to your voice, please speak to us. Show us how we can make ourselves available to you, how we can participate in your awesome plan of salvation, no matter who we are. Speak to us now, Lord.